Hey, listen, great to have you. Hey, I got good news before I start preaching. I got a text yesterday from our architect, and he said, Today, I printed two sets of plans to submit to the city for the permit. So praise the Lord. So that should be starting this week, and they tell me it'll take about a month. So pretty soon, we're going to have a shovel and dig a little dirt. How about that? Hey, listen, thrilled you're here. This series about happiness is not just a feel-good message but it is intended to share with you a biblical perspective or biblical principles to have a happy life. Everybody wants it. Uh, Happiness is not superficial, but it runs deep. Uh, Our first message, which has permeated the series, is true lasting happiness. Let me know you can buy a case of beer and be happy for a little while, but it's probably not going to help you down the road. You didn't quite know how to handle that. But there's a lot of things you can do that feel good at the moment, but don't bring lasting happiness. Lasting happiness is found in a relationship with God. It's in walking with God. Lasting happiness, again, as I shared a moment ago, I I felt the Lord speak to me. The Bible calls that a word of knowledge. Well, guess what? Happiness in a temporary relationship that leads you in a ditch is not long-term. But how many know happiness, what God gives you, will produce a 35-year marriage and still going for two imperfect people? Are you with me today? Um, so in search of happiness, the last time, a couple of times we talked about how to have a happy home, how to be happy at work, applying biblical principles. Well, today I want to talk about another pillar of a happy life. It's our spiritual life, but it's about a vital connection to a local church family. I have pastored for 38 years, and I've noticed this over the years, is that Christians who are vitally connected to a local church, people that are involved, people that have relationship more than just getting a sermon and a song on Sunday, but, but are in the rhythm of the church family, they tend to live more consistent, dedicated, and productive Christian lives. And I want to take some time this morning to share with you the whys of being involved, the benefits, uh, what, how your life can be better or happier is the term I'll use, connected in a local church family. And I've got somebody to help me. It's actually a song that is probably a song that I have sung more than any other in my adult life, and it's the Barney song. I haven't sung it since I had little children, but uh, let me bring something to your remembrance. I love you, you love me, we're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you won't you say you love me too well it sounds like you know that song too (laughs) i'd sing it half a dozen times a day and love every time i sang it with my kids but i want to sing it a little bit differently actually i'd like to audition for being the church worship leader today I've been the pastor here 28 years, and not once have they asked me to serve on the worship team. So with the choir, join me today as we sing, I love you. Look at somebody now. We're a happy family. Look at somebody else. Big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? This is why I'm not the worship leader. True story, years ago I used to play the tambourine. I thought I played it quite well. But there was a hole in the ceiling right over there, the roof leaked for a period of time and the tile was gone and our worship team in one practice night threw it up in the ceiling. It's a true story. That worship leader is no longer with us. 
not because of the tambourine, but I, went, I, I say that song. How many know Jesus when he said, I give you a new commandment, love one another? It changed the dynamic between relationships of, of believers. But I want to sing a song a little differently, and we're not literally going to sing it, but rather than I love you, you love me, how about this? I need you, and you need me. Or how about as the body of Christ, we need you, and you need us. Let's talk about it this, uh, this, uh, this morning as I've entitled it, I Need You and You Need Me. Uh, let me first give you a little theology of what's called a local church family. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I want you to see this as a pattern of the early church. I would even argue that you can't find New Testament Christianity apart from local believers. There wasn't it, 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 the entity, we don't see the entity in Scripture of an individual living an isolated Christian life, listening to K-Love, watching a podcast, and going about their life. We see Christians in community. Acts 2.42, after the day of Pentecost, thousands of Christians, and the Bible says all the believers, all the believers, devoted themselves. Strong word. They spent their time. They were committed to four things. The apostles' teaching. To, that's the Bible, to the fellowship, the koinonia, uh, that, the relationship among other Christians. They shared meals, and they were committed to prayer. This defined them. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. It was a, a large worship experience in the Jewish temple. But notice the compliment, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals. So there was a large gathering, which we might say our weekend worship experience, but they had community in the home, intimate fellowship where they knew each other. But here's where the happiness comes in. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, and here it is again, enjoying the goodwill of the people. So it was literally a happiness that was found in local community, and many believers were added to the Lord. So it's like they were on mission, but they were on mission with church family, and it was their pattern. Um, this early church, the word church is the Greek word ekklesia. It means called out ones, where literally Christians called out from the world, but called not only unto Christ, called into a community of believers. The New Testament teaches there is one church, one body of Christ, the bride of Christ. How many know whether it's this local congregation called Church on a Rock, or whether it's a Baptist church in Monticello, Arkansas, or whether it's a, 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 just a Christian church in the, the jungle of Mexico? How many know there's one local church, one, one universal church, believers in Jesus Christ around the world? But the Bible also teaches the validity and the place of the local church. In the New Testament, there was the church at Philippi, the church at Ephesus, the church at Thessalonica. The book of Revelation was written to seven churches in Asia Minor. So we bring these things together. Uh, Christians and local churches are, are called to be a spiritual family. Uh, Paul used this terminology in 1 Timothy. He said, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would yeah, your own father. Uh, talk to younger men as you would your own brother, older women as you would your own mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. So this was a family dynamic, but yet in America today, in our individualistic nation, uh, it, the church experience is almost like a movie. Now, I mean, when you go in a movie theater, first thing you look for is the 
the uh, place or in the theater you want to sit. For me, I want to be in the middle and I want to be about three quarters of the way up. So I'm looking for that. But once I know that area, I'm going to sit as far away from other people as I can. And you are too. And if you have to sit with someone, you're going to sit there and you might smile nicely, but you're not going to say, would you like to be my friend on Facebook? Or would you, you know, you're not, if you were to say to that person, man, this was a great movie. What do you think? Hey, uh, let's come back next week. Would you like to come sit together next week? Well, how about that? Okay, well, let's go out for pizza. They're backing away, checking to make sure they're carrying it. Are you with me? They think you may be a stalker uh, after them or something. But church is not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be a community, and this is what I want to talk about. I want to go back to the Barney song, We Need You and You Need Us. And let me t- I'm going to tell you first seven different reasons why you need us. What can happen here if you engage? Listen, I'm thrilled that you're here. I'm thrilled for people that watch uh, uh, in the live stream. But there's something deeper that a commitment brings. Uh, when I use the word church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about people. Uh, if you have kids this morning, you're getting ready, and they say, Mom, I don't want to get up. I want pancakes. Why do we have to go? What are you doing? Uh, where are we going? Uh, we're going to church. Well, we're not going to church. We are the church. We come together in this building as the body of Christ to worship and to learn from the Lord and to have fellowship. Uh, but when I talk about church, I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about weekend worship. I'm talking about life groups. I'm talking about connecting in our church social media, donuts in the cafe. I'm talking about next, uh, next weekend uh, at our car show, uh, worshiping in church, serving at the car show, eating together, making friends, being family, praying with people. We're talking about a fellowship of believers. And let me give you several things here how church can help you. First of all, the local church family helps us maintain a constant focus on spiritual priorities. You see, things that are important, I do regularly. I floss my teeth every day because I didn't as a child, and I have soft gums, and I don't like going to the dentist. How about you? Uh, I I, I do things that are important uh, regularly. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another. See, it's not just about me, but spur one another, my brothers and sisters, towards love and good deeds. And then it says this, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, there's a group of Christian people, they love the Lord, they believe in Christ, they're going to heaven, but they're not participating in the regular fellowship. He says, I want you to encourage one another and even do this more as you see the second coming of Christ. Uh, I want to ask you this question. Why does inspired scripture tell us to be consistent and committed in a local church? I'll tell you what I believe. I believe it tells us this because the spiritual rhythms of church life help us focus on spiritual things the rest of the week. The spiritual rhythms. Here's what's happened this morning in these few moments we've been together. We've worshiped God. Now listen, I worship the Lord during my week, but it's nothing like we did together today. You know, we come together, we worship. Uh, it, it spurs us. When you saw pictures of churches we were building, when you saw pictures of, uh, uh, of what's happening, what our church does, it spurs you towards evangelism. It spurs you towards stewardship. Uh, it, it helps you, you know, with priorities in life. It keeps your spiritual life focused as you're in the rhythm of the body of Christ. 
whether it's weekend worship, going to a life group, serving at the homeless shelter, going on a missions trip, uh, and giving money to someone who's in need, whatever the case is. That's the first thing this church does is it helps us keep a spiritual priority about our life. The second thing is the local church is a place to receive what I call personal ministry, where you feel that special touch from God. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, when you meet together, this was more than likely in a, in, a, in a home setting here, one person comes and they have a special spiritual song to sing, another has a teaching, a Bible verse, uh, another has a new truth from God, the Bible calls it a revelation, another speaks in a different language or a tongue and another person interprets that. In other words, what we're seeing are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and the purpose, it says, is to help the church grow strong. And it's not the church building, it's the people. We, when, when Christians gather, the Holy Spirit uses us to encourage one another. This is why you need a personal gathering point. You know, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here this morning, but you're not going to develop great friendships. You're not going to develop intimate relationship on a Sunday morning. You could get some intense prayer around the altar, which is a wonderful thing. You can high-five, tell somebody they're looking good today. But that's different than going to lunch with someone. It's different than, than, than going in someone's home and talking about the struggles of your life. Uh, I go to life groups uh, all the time. I can remember one as far as this idea of personal ministry. Uh, I went to Beverly and, and Casey's, uh, it's a women's group, uh, uh, last year. And they said, yeah, pastor, come on, we want you to come. You know, room, house full of middle-aged ladies. I knew I was going to get some good food and have some little fellowship there. But before I know it, they said, pastor, sit down. We want to pray for you. And, and it is when I was in some of that dark time with that anxiety disorder I was struggling with, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just come afresh on me. I, I received encouraging words. I received scripture. And to this day, they wrote some things down. I got a letter. I put it on my desk because it, it, it was speaking life to me. Everybody needs this. This happens in Christian community. You can't find that on the internet. Here's a third one. Uh, the local church, and I'm kind of painting with a broad brush stroke today, part, some of the advantages of this local church experience. The local church family is a place to heal from life's hurts. If there's one thing I know that you and I share in common is, is there's pain in life. Uh, there's heartache in life. God cares about this. Uh, Jesus, in Luke 14, when he talked about his ministry, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me to heal the broken Yeah, and, and you don't go to the doctor's office when Jesus and he gives you a pill. This healing comes through the body of Christ. Uh, healing comes. I've watched countless people find Christ healing uh, from life's hurts. Uh, this, actually, this past week, I went to a group. It was called the, uh, the, Redding, uh, the Reddings Group. And uh, uh, it was a group, a very specific group, but it was targeted for women who'd lost a child. Uh, it could have been a miscarriage. Uh, it could have been a stillborn birth. Uh, it could have been an abortion that there was regret and sorrow for. But it was women and, men and women. How many know the loss of a child affects two people? And uh, we were there, and I didn't quite know what to expect, but it was a room full of people. And before I know it, I'm thinking about the two miscarriages Linnell and I had, or Linnell had together, uh, before our third child was born. And before I knew it, I had a tear in my eye because I, it was brought back a memory that was 19 years ago, but still a part of my life. Well, guess what? I walked out of there a more of a whole person than when I came in. I went to the Jirasi's life group last semester, and it was for blended families. 
and I saw husbands and wives, and I, I, I just felt this, this it, it, it's yours, it's mine, and it's ours, and we want this thing to work. Uh, we've made mistakes before, but we want this to What is this? This is healing. That if you'll engage beyond the weekend, there's different pockets of this in the body of Christ. Here's another one that we all know and experience. Uh, the local church family is a place to find strength when life is overwhelming. Uh, it's out there. Let me give you one biblical example. Uh, Peter and John were threatened to stop preaching Jesus. You know the story early in Acts? It was a miraculous healing. The Jews tried to shut the church down. They just crucified Christ. And they looked at Peter and John and said, if you don't stop this Jesus stuff, uh, we're going to kill you like we did Christ. Well, notice what they did. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John did what? Returned to the other believers. They didn't have to do a Google search about where do I find help. They already knew where the Jesus people were, and they went to them. They told them what the priests and elders had said, and when they heard the report, here's what happened. All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. In other words, it's like this big extension cord looking to plug in to, to spiritual power. We need some help, and there was this corporate lifting to God. Well, verse 31, incredibly, after they prayed, the meeting place shook. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's got to be good. And they preached the word of God with boldness. So here they had a crisis in their life that drew uh, strength from them, that made them afraid. But the people of God helped them reconnect with God. And then Peter goes out and boldly leads the church into the future. The, uh, listen, life happens. If I know anything about the world, the world is like a battlefield. And we all need a safe place with people who care. You could lose your job unexpectedly next week. There was a family in New Boston... I heard there was a 20-year-old girl in the middle of the night, 12.30 in the morning, coming home, and she has an accident. It's fatal. She dies. I mean, you're in a crisis right now. You don't need to figure out who to talk to. You just need to know who to go, and you need to get there. You need to make a phone call. You need to send a text. You need to, you need to reach out to somebody. This is what local church does. It's a place where believers come together to find strength in life's difficult moments. And I want to read something to you from one of our church members. I read it by permission, but from her name is Diane. She's a mom. She has a 21-year-old daughter named Allie, and Allie has stage 4 cancer. She's in her early 20s, and she's got small children. Well, I saw on our church Facebook page that she was, in a, she was back in the hospital, and uh, I asked one of our staff to send some flowers. And, and here's the response back. Uh, hope your week went well. I, I want to thank you and the church family for the flowers. Uh, it made Allie smile. Then she opens up. We're definitely in the valley. Uh, the reports are better, but the path is out of but the pain is out of control. Pain in her bones is hard to touch. As a mother, it breaks my heart to see her suffer. I was on my knees for hours praying for her yesterday. That precious child touched my hand and started to speak of the love of God that God has for us. She looked at me with her beautiful blue eyes and said, "Mama, God is going to do good things with this illness. In fact, He already has." I prayed for so long that our family would get back together, that God would bring you back to me, and he did. I, I, I would change nothing about any of this because it answered our prayers. Our family was all separated, doing our own lives. I was off in College Station seeking power and money at a job I put before everything. Allie's illness changed our entire family. We're stronger and more unified than we ever have been. Priorities changed for us all. Now it's God, love, and people are all that matter. I've seen Allie's faith move on people everywhere. 
And there's a plan and purpose in all of this. And then she references a, a sermon she heard in church when I was talking about my wife's breast cancer, which, praise the Lord, she's five years cancer-free. Um, but in one of the messages, uh, uh, she remembered that I said, uh, when I spoke to the devil and I said, you touch my wife and now I'm going to touch your kingdom. Um, I feel the same. She said, I feel the same way. I give every single person I come in contact with a dose of Jesus. Even if it's just God bless you to the person I pass or Jesus loves you to the cashier. Uh, our Father in heaven is on his throne right now and he's in control. I want my baby girl to live, but I also know that I'm grateful that he put her in my life for any amount of time. I'm not giving up. I never will. But I know the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And on a personal note, remind me to tell you the miracle God worked in me after the church helped fix my car. He showed up and truly showed off. Have an amazing day, and thank you for your support and prayer. Now, I read that because that's real life. And everybody faces it. Even good people have Christian people, godly people, have spiritual attacks in their life. You don't read it, believe it, just read the Bible. When we do, local church is a place. If you'll form relationships... I cannot promise you this if you just come in the door and run out as soon as church is over. If you never get involved in a small group or a life group or go on a missions trip, it's available, but you've got to take advantage of it. Uh, here's another one. The, the local church family is a place to find restoration. What do I mean by this? The church is a place to help people get back on track when they mess up. Jail has its place, but jail is not enough. Jail says what you did was wrong, stop, but jail doesn't help you get back on track. This is what Galatians 6 said, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, how many sin out there? Wave your hand at me. The rest of you too, you're liars. <laughs> we all do. We're just not always caught. But if you're caught in a sin, notice this, you who live by the Spirit should do what? Restore that person gently. Now, restoration is contingent upon a person's will. Acknowledge what they did was wrong and their willingness to repent. How I many know you can help that person? If you're defiant in your sin, if, if, you, if you refuse to acknowledge it, you're in a tough spot and hopefully there's discipline and correction. But he goes on to say, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. The person who's in a tough spot, help them. And this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. I see this all the time in church life. I've seen people who were divorced, got divorced, uh, final. Uh, they still come to church. The Holy Spirit deals with them. I've seen people start dating again, get counsel, and get married and have a happy life. Uh, I saw uh, a, a person that's in church today get arrested right out in front of the church, undercover drug agents uh, from our sheriff's department. I saw him pull up. I saw them pull up. I heard the, uh, the sirens afterwards, and uh, he's on the car with this, saying, Pastor, I'm sorry. He's in the church today, and he's as one of the most committed Christians that I know. Amen. Why did that happen? It's because when he messed up, we didn't say, Get out of here. We don't want you. It's because he was broken, and he wanted to change. I got a letter a couple weeks ago from a man that's in jail and uh, he started coming to church before he was convicted in jail. And, and you'd think of what he did, and you'd say, my God, how could anybody do that? But in church, he said, Pastor, I've got my life together. I want to walk with God. Can I come back to church? Yeah. How can you say no? Church is a place of restoration. Here's another one. The local church family is a counterculture 
to the world. Now, I'm going quickly, but all this is in my notes. It's always on, the, uh, on our webpage and our internet. Counterculture to the world. Now, I want you to think of life in two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, which is light. The kingdom of darkness, which is Satan. Every person on the planet lives in one of those kingdoms. Paul said in Corinthians, don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. What does that mean? Think of the old picture of the oxen. Two oxen together, they're plowing in a field, and they've got this wooden device over their shoulders, and they're joined together. What Paul is saying, listen, Paul is not saying don't love the unbeliever. How I many know all of us deserve love, and that's our mission field? But what he's talking about is an interpersonal yoke that will affect you. Where they go, you follow. He says, he asked the question, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? The answer is nothing. What fellowship can light have with darkness? This is the intimate koinonia. In verse 17, he says, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. What does that mean? That means be careful who is influencing you. Uh, Christians who believe the Bible is God's word have a different view of life than people who reject God's word. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Uh, what's appropriate sexual behavior? Uh, I, I, I've taught my children that, that w- w- as they're growing up to live a sexually pure life, and the greatest gift you can give your spouse on your honeymoon night is your virginity. I taught my children that way. Um, I read this week, I believe it's an Arizona school district, uh, there's a Christian law firm that's suing them because Planned Parenthood, one of their affiliates, wrote sex education material for the children And in the fifth grade, they're being taught how to use a condom. And in the first grade, they're being taught that gender doesn't matter. Gender is not assigned by God to birth. When the Bible teaches you're male or female, but culture teaches you get to choose who you are. Well, how many know the Bible teaches a different worldview than the world we live in? And as a Christian, I can believe the truth and not be hateful. Disagreement does not imply hate. I simply want to believe the truth and love people who don't and hope that they will join us. But we're different from the world. What a Christian, a Bible believer, believes about the sanctity of marriage is different than what our nation believes today. Uh, uh, Valuing life uh, versus abortion. This week, uh, President Trump signed some initiative to limit the funding of Planned Parenthood. Well, is that good or is that bad? I think it's a good thing to preserve life. However, I believe Cecilia Richards, either the president or former president of Planned Parenthood, said, oh, this is horrible. Now women are going to be deprived of health care. Well, okay, how about the care of the child? You see, we're created by God. I could show you numbers of scriptures that talks about life beginning in the womb and life is valuable. So, So what is my point? All these things, acceptable language. If you hang out with people all day who are dropping the F-bomb, guess what you're going to do? It's going to slip out of your mouth. Well, here's my point. If you're around worldly values all day in the classroom, at work, or on media, if all you do is listen to rap songs, come on, and all you do is listen to songs about, you know, this and that, well, guess what? You're going to be like that. I need to be a place somewhere where my biblical beliefs are taught and encouraged. Church is the place. You, your children need to be there. Well, let me give you one more. Preaching a little better than your amening here. I know you're thinking. Um, let, let, me, let me say this. I unashamedly stand for the Bible. I unashamedly believe what Paul called the whole counsel of God. 
And I will one day answer to God if I taught you what the Bible says about cultural subjects. You don't have to like it or agree with me. You don't even have to like me. But when the Bible's truth is brought forth, not a man's opinion, come on now. But that's, that's my job as your pastor, is to teach you biblical truth and encourage you to, 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 to live it. You could have said, you're doing a good job, pastor. Thank you. And then I'd have said, thank you very much. But instead you didn't. That's okay. Let me give you one last one. The local church family helps us stay focused on our mission. The local church family helps us stay focused on our primary purpose. What do you mean, pastor? Glad you asked. Mark chapter 16, Jesus said this, last of the gospels, first of Acts, he said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. What does that mean? You and I have one big job in this life, and that's to populate heaven. We have one big responsibility is to help as many people as we can spend eternity in heaven. That's our main job, but guess what? We are better together in this task. That's right. Let me show you a picture of just a couple things real quickly. This is what our church does together. Uh, this is a big church in Haiti. After the earthquake, remember, destroyed their building years ago, we sent tens of thousands of dollars. Now they have eight or 9,000 Haitians every weekend worshiping there. Uh, these same Haitians, while the world is celebrating Mardi Gras, they'll have crusades where there'll be 30,000, 40,000 people come. Hundreds will come to Christ. We've sent money. We've sent teams. We're a part supporting that ministry. Uh, here in our own city last summer, it was called Bless Our City. Uh, we set it up in Spring Lake Park. We gave things away. We prayed for people. People came to Christ, keep going there, uh, uh, reaching in, into our community with the love of God. Uh, this is a, a roof in a church in Haiti. Uh, again, it was devastated by a hurricane. We put the roof on the church. Uh, now we're getting ready to help build an orphanage there with one of the churches. Um, Pastor Travis led an effort to build this church, raise funds in Mexico. Now, you've got to understand, before they had this pretty building, it's a good chance they were in a building that was just maybe a, a room in somebody's house, a, a wooden structure, a tin roof, or cardboard. Uh, they have a place to worship now. Uh, we dig water wells. We just got back a team that we sent, just came back, bringing fresh water. How many know many diseases are preventable in the world if you'll just give somebody fresh water to drink? We do this, and we do it with a local church so the pastor can say, let us show you this Jesus who will give you living water. After the typhoon in the Philippines, we helped build this church for this church family. We have a number of Filipinos in our church. We support their nation. It's Pastor Mike and Bethany. Every week here in our city, they do sidewalk Sunday school in four of the inner city housing complexes. They have a couple hundred kids that go, and they have a Bible message and fun every week. The shoes, we help facilitate buying shoes for uh, people that lived in a dump in Mexico City. We even helped them build a church there uh, in, in a dump. So what, what am I saying? These are some things that we do to take the gospel everywhere, and we do it better together. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. Now, let me wrap up. Back to Barney. What I've tried to tell you, this bigger part of this message is, we need you, you need us. Now I want to focus on that first part, we need you. We need you. Uh, let me read a scripture in Romans 12. Just as our bodies, our physical body, our human body has many parts, each part has a special function. Fingers, eyes, ears, very important. And then he says he makes a parallel to the local church. So it is 
with Christ's body, even though we as a congregation are many individuals, Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to who? Each other. Not just that I'm sitting in a chair that I paid for, but we are connected to each other. And this is something I cannot do for you. Again, I am thrilled that you're here on, on a weekend worship experience. But I cannot make you connect to each other. But I can tell you there's benefits if you assertively will. Notice what it says. Um, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And this is where my focus is. You have gifts and I have gifts. It's clear I don't have the gift of singing. Please don't say amen. But it's clear, Pastor Nick and Hope and the worship team, that they do. It's clear that the technical gifts in that video booth back there make it a more uh, 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 impactful worshipful experience. Well, what if your gift stays home? And this is the point of this. And he lifts the different gifts, gifts of prophecy, of serving, encouraging, teaching, leading, etc., etc. So what's the point? The local church family is designed by God to be a place where we can use our God-given abilities to serve the Lord and to help people. Now, the church is the main place to use these abilities, but it's not the only place, but it is a main place. In 1 Corinthians 12, you would see this analogy further. In the body of Christ there is specifically likened to parts of the body. He said, some of you are an ear, some of you are an eye, some of you are, you know, the different parts of the body. Well, imagine... Imagine if you're a foot in the body and you're not here, and we're just kind of hopping around. We'll get there, but it's pretty slow. Imagine if you're an eye and we can't see, you fall off the edge. Imagine if you, have you ever thought about how wonderful your thumb is? I take this bottle, I hold it because of my thumb, I open it because of my thumb, Yesterday, I was in my garden through four hours working outside. I pulled up weeds with my thumb. I did all sorts of things. Guess what if you don't have a thumb? What's my point? You may be a thumb. And if you're not here, I'm having to drink like this. If you're not here, listen, something's not being done. Someone's not being ministered to. Now, hear me on this one. You may be doing fine with the rhythm of your life, but we're not. We're not doing fine because the thumb is not here. Tell your neighbor you look like a thumb. You may be fine. Guess what? We need you. Are we all going to heaven? Absolutely. We believe in Jesus, but we need you for the body of Christ to be what God intends it to be in Texarkana and around the world. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Well, let me wrap up. We're going to continue this next week at our car show. I hope you'll bring someone with, uh, to that. But, but let me close with this scripture, Psalm 92. And I'm about to tell you that the Bible says you're like a palm tree. It says the righteous flourish like the palm tree. Now, that's, isn't that odd to compare people to a tree? But think about it a second. I want you to picture an oasis in a desert. I want you to picture all the sand dunes around everywhere, but I want you to picture as you look over the horizon, you see the tops of palm trees, and you see green life because there's water in the ground. Something is making this tree flourish. Notice what it said, verse 13, and here's the key. They are planted in the house of the Lord. 
That didn't mean that I visit one church this week and another church that week and I watch. It means somehow they found God's will for their life and they put their roots down. And then it says again, they flourish in the courts of our God. Now listen to this kind of happy thought. They bear fruit in old age. Uh, They're full of sap and green. Now that's interesting language, full of sap and green, but it, doesn't it sound like life is just better? Come on now, when the sap is flowing. Life is just better when the leaves are green. Life is just better when there's fruit on the tree. And one of the reasons that happened is because a pillar of our life for happiness is that we have connected ourselves vitally to other believers. And listen, friends, Barney, the old sage of old, when he said, you need me and I need you, he was right. When he said, we need you, and you need us, the Barney song is even a little better. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. He's worthy of praise. Why don't you stand to your feet, and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll close with prayer. Listen, I'm honored to have you today. Thrilled that you're here. Uh, uh, our city is filled with wonderful churches. And uh, what I hope for all of us is that we will find God's will for the body that we're to connect to. And then when we find God's will, we'll be planted in the house of the Lord. And I'll suggest to you, friends, God's ways will lend towards a happier life. Just bow your head just a moment and say, okay, Lord, what does this mean to me? Lord, my prayer is just quite simply this. We all have one short life to live. We blink and it's over. Lord, I want to pray that whatever gifts and abilities and talents you've given me, that I wouldn't hide them and I wouldn't neglect and ignore them. But I would use what I have, Lord, to help people. That I would use, Lord, whether it's my money, my time, my talents, my gifts or abilities. I want to be remembered in heaven one day, and I want you to say to me, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, Lord, my prayer today for all of us is that we would find value in this community of believers. We worship the same Christ. We're brothers and sisters. We're mothers and fathers. Lord, I want to say thank you that when I come on a weekend, I'm, I'm, I'm focused spiritually for the rest of the week. My worship, my prayer, my evangelism, my fellowship, my stewardship, a rhythm is starting this Sunday morning. Lord, I want to pray that we'd all be in a place where when we need personal ministry, that we're with Christians where the Spirit's moving. God, I pray that if we're in a crisis, that we'd be able to quickly go to people that are already there to find hope and encouragement. God, if it should happen that we would fall and find a struggle in our life and we need a restoration, let us find a merciful hand to reach out to us. And Lord, let us continue to do as even a somewhat small congregation in a big world. Let us continue to find significance by building churches, sending ministry teams, planning churches, doing crusades, holding revivals, feeding people, doing all those things, Lord, that are described in the Bible as Christian. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Come on, just reach your hands out to heaven and say, Lord, just come and fill me afresh now. Uh, Sometimes I I know the right thing to do, but I just don't seem to have the power to do it. Would you help change me on the inside and make me into the man or woman that you want me to be? And I sure am grateful for it today. Hey, let's close with this. We'll sing one last song and then dismiss. But I want to, in just a moment, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front. And you may have something going on in your life where you really need to pray with someone. I cannot think of a better application of this message than right now. Spirit-filled people, people who have been praying for you, 
that when you come together, listen, we can touch heaven for you. doesn't matter what it is. It could be related to the message or just a personal burden that's out in your world and you need God to pray with you about, we'd be happy to. But the most important prayer I think that we'll pray this morning is for individuals that are here today and say, Pastor, I just need God in my life. I need to get right with God. Because you see, it's, it's more than just going to church. Going to church is a good thing. It gets you in the environment. I'm so glad my mom brought me to church when I was a boy. My mom's here this morning again. But uh, she had me dutifully go to Sunday school and we'd go to church and it was getting inside. But it wasn't until I was 19 years of age that I made a commitment of my life to Christ. And let me explain to you because it's different. How many know you can believe in God and go to church but not go to heaven? Now stay with me now. Remember it was our sin that separated us from God and our sin is rooted in our willfulness to either follow God or follow ourselves and go our own way. And most people who believe that God exists, and I was like this as a teenager, if I had trouble, I'm kind of doing John's thing, and I have trouble, I would pause because I knew God was real and I believed the Bible, and I would say, God, would you please help me? And he did. But you know what? After he did, sometimes I'd say thanks, but usually I wouldn't, and I'd just kind of keep going my merry way. Until one day, I realized that something's missing in, in life. As I got older and tried to find happiness here, it's not in education, it's not in relationships, it's not in a scholarship, it's not in a football, it's not in a baseball, it's not in alcohol, it's not in all the things of the world because they promise happiness, but it's all temporary and it evaporates. And I began to realize that I, I need God in my life. And I remember the point, it was August 15, 1976. A man had told me, he was a Gideon, and he told me, Jesus Christ can change your life if you'll put your trust in him and follow him. And I was honest enough with myself to know that I believed, but I was going my way. And that day I stopped, and I turned, as it were, to the cross. And I said, Lord Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me. I prayed a prayer. I want to ask you to forgive me. I want you to come in my life. And here was the big one. I want to follow you now as my Savior and Lord. Something happened. And the same thing that happened to me, the Bible calls it being born again, a spiritual rebirth. That same thing can happen to you, friends. If you feel like I'm talking to you right now, it's not me. I'm not recruiting you to join this church. You can do that if you want to. You don't have to. But, but I'm asking you to make a commitment of your life to Christ. If you've gotten away from the Lord and, and you're ready to come back, this is your moment. So in just a moment, we're going to sing this last song. Our prayer team will come to the front. But if you're making a commitment of your life to Christ... I want to encourage you with all boldness, slip out of your chair and come over to the cross and someone will pray for you. We will not embarrass you, but we will join with you as you pray the most life-changing prayer you could ever pray. We'll give you something to help your spiritual life in this defining moment. So Pastor Nick, go ahead and begin to sing. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. They'll pray with you about anything. But most importantly, if you're saying, Pastor, I need to get right with God. I want to put my trust in Christ. We'll meet you at the cross. I love you. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.